Yo, what is up? Welcome to the Cheers to Comics podcast. Thank you for checking this out. I'm Brian Wayne, your host, and this is my weekly rundown for the 6th of November, 2019. This is episode 55, and whew, I'm going to be raising my glass to everything there is to talk about comic books for this whole week. So, so, spoiler warning, this is a spoiler-based podcast. This is an overview type of format. It's not necessarily a review type of format. Every once in a while, an opinion will slip through, but for the most part, it's about informing you as to what's happening in comics. You know, it's for those who maybe haven't gotten to it yet, you know, or for whatever reason. There's a thousand reasons to want to listen to someone else's input on what's happening in a comic book. So, yes, spoilers will happen. Also, be advised, I've been known to uh, drop a curse word or two here and there out of pure excitement. So, (laughs) uh, yeah, sensitive ears, you have been warned. So, without further ado, let's let's talk some comic books, man. I've got my beer. We're gonna we're gonna no no Red Bull tonight. No Red Bull. That was. A couple of hours ago, so there might be still some coursing through my veins, but let's let's talk comics first. We got just a little bit of news. I didn't find anything that was too wow inspiring, except for some very uh, oh cryptic tweeting done by the one and only Tom King. We all know Tom King. He's got all types of shit happening, you know? Batman's ending for him soon. He's only got three more issues on Batman, believe it or not. Then he's doing Bat and the Cat, which is going to last a year, because that's going monthly. And he's doing an Adam Strange project with Mitch Gerards again. And he's doing a New Gods movie. But he's also, also has teased some Watchmen stuff. He put out this cryptic tweet involved Watchmen 1 through 12 single issue doing some studying for some future work or something along those lines that's not what the tweet said verbatim but you get what the fuck he's saying I think that's pretty I mean come on Watchmen is I guess it's as as relevant as ever we got a show that I haven't made it to yet I think I'm gonna wait for it to all be over and binge it because I'm not on the internet enough anymore to to have shit spoiled for me as much as it used to be, so I'm not as worried about all that anymore. Besides all that, yes, Watchmen, we got, you know, Doomsday Clock is becoming a thing that's going to be ending soon, so apparently it's it's going to make it before 2020, so that's that's good, right? So, that was really the only tidbit of news, but I still find that very, very intriguing. There's lots, lots to be taken from that. Fish show. So, without further ado, let's get on to talking about comics. You know, the, the I've got 12 comics I'm going to run down for you. And I can honestly say that uh, at, least, at least 10 of these are in the running for best story of the week. That's how good they were. And I got a deep list of honorable mentions as well. So, be prepared. We're, we're about to talk a whole lot of comic books. We're going to start with Dark Horse. We're going to talk... Berserker Unbound, number four of four. The story has come to an end. Jeff Lemire and Mike Diodoto. And man, uh, yes, it's it's come to an end. But oh, <laughs> Diodoto's 
back in indie comics, and this is this is just a taste of what's to come for from his art. Oh, it's it's unbelievable how he goes out in this last issue visually. So yes, that's all the more reason. Yeah, you can't just listen to this podcast and be 100% satisfied with the story because that's a beautiful thing about comics. 50% of it is visual. So. I do still uh, urge you to go out and pick up these these books, being you know spoiled for you at this time if you haven't already, just so you could look at stuff like this. Diodota was why comics are still a thing. So let's get on to the story. This portal this opens up, and uh, I, I will say that yes, issue number three should have been talked about on the week that I I took off. You know, after the fifty episodes, every fifty weeks I take a a week off, for at least from the, the overview, but fact is, number three fell on that, so, yes, there is a bit of a gap, but I think it's kind of cool that you don't, if you've been reading one and two, you don't really necessarily, you're still pretty filled in, actually, <laughs> uh, I'm not saying skip number three by any means, because I did still read it, I just didn't make the the, the rundown, but yes, let, let's keep going, sorry. I guess the Red Bull still is in my veins. Portal opens up, and we've got this this Demon King, and he's after Berserker. And well, Berserker and his homeless buddy, they still can't communicate properly, but the Mongrel King, he goes after his his friend. And that pisses off the Berserker, but he also knows that the Mongrel King, he's magical as fuck. <laughs> and that you know that that stunts berserkers you know the mongrel king's uh i mean not the mongrel king the demon king is what i mean to say he's the magical one he's the one that has the the friend uh but yes the the berserker or mongrel king uh one or the other he's known as both just to kind of smudge up that confusion <laughs> Uh, he's, he is, you know, like I said, hindered by the Demon King's magic, and when he targets his magic at the friend, saying, fuck you anyways, I'm gonna kill him, and it doesn't affect his friend, he realizes, oh shit, his magic doesn't work on people from this realm, because his magic is from a different realm. Whether or not his magic would work on the Mongrel King in this realm, because they're from the same realm, is really never a thing, because at that point, Mongrel King attack, <laughs> and that's... Uh, that's it. Uh, Bye-bye. And from this point on, we get our very buddy type of moments. And, I mean, these guys really, they find a common ground. And when Mongrel King says, look, I'm going to go through this portal. And, you know, he, obviously he's not understanding it, but they've been together long enough to where, you know, at the same time, you see a giant portal and he's saying, I'm going there. You know what the fuck's up. <laughs> you don't always need words to communicate. But our, our homeless friend, our buddy, whose name... I don't really remember, to be uh, shamefully honest. He says, you know what? What, do I, what the fuck do I have going here? I've got this lame-ass routine. Let me just go with you. So they go into this realm, and it kind of reminds me of like the seven rat magic realms in Shazam. <laughs> so he's got all these options to choose from. And the Berserker King says, look, this is you know where I came from. And the other guys, well, why don't we go somewhere else? Berserkers, you know, I, I got, I got something I got to take care of first. Let's go here. Of course, like I said, they're not understanding each other verbally, but they're still understanding each other. It's really cool how they portray this. Jeff Lemire, he's a fucking master. He really, oh, it's so flipping good. Um, so, but 
they go back to uh, Berserker's realm, and then he sees the bodies, the corpses of his fallen family, and that's when there's, you know, uh, the other guy, the, our homeless friend, he pulls out his picture of his family that's not obviously a thing anymore. And, you know, they have a, an even more bonding moment. And, you know, from there, it's, you know, do we go through these other doors? I don't know. I don't know. But while they're in, the, the, the coolest part is, is once they're in Berserker's realm, our original realm together, they can actually talk and communicate verbally. And it's never like, a, oh, shit, I can understand you thing. It's just, uh, I'm thinking that at this point, they've been communicating so well that it's just natural, that it's not a thing. You know, you know they've already been understanding each other. So I don't know. I, that's what I took from that. I just found it to be such a fucking masterpiece, uh, visually and story-wise. I, I could not recommend Berserker Unbound so much. Welcome back, Diodoto, to the world of not having your balls in a vice by Marvel. Uh, carrying on, we've got Wretches, number one from Scout Comics. Uh, I've, I've been a fan of Scout Comics. I'd say 87.62% of the Scout Comics I've picked up have been absolute 10 out of 10s. Wretches was no different. It was in the big number percentile. number that I'll never be able to remember to repeat again. <laughs> the 80-something. Uh, so, Wretches, number one, James E. Roach, I think I'm saying that right, Salo Farias, and Chun Lin Zhao, covered by Ander Zarte. Now, this story follows a brother and a sister, Sean and Shay, in a world, in a world that is, it's pretty desolate for the most part, it's, you know, and it's not necessarily a world so much as it is a universe, because there's planet hopping and whatnot, and I'm not going to get na into the names of the planets that are bouncing back and forth, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole thing. And on, the, on these first issues, I don't really want to overwhelm you, but take my word for it, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, so, yes, Shay and Sean, they are robot slash criminal hunters, you know, they they hunt for parts and scraps, and you know, it's... it's, uh, it's desolate type of situation they're in and they're, it's all just about surviving that's it and you know they've got their pilot zed and on their ship and it seems like they have you know some other friends and stuff well they definitely have friends once they get to where they're essentially going or their home base if you will uh, because in the beginning you see a scenario where this is what we do you know an introduction bam we're badass hunters and I mean, we're gonna fuck you up <laughs> it's, it's awesome action really throughout most of this to be honest uh so well there's got to be an enemy right well the enemy is just this other group of you know scrap collectors and they've come they invade their space their friend malcolm that you know you think okay this guy's gonna be a cool character he seems pretty bad and then he fucking dies and that pisses some motherfuckers off, like Sean. Sean ends up getting kidnapped. Well, that pisses the shit out of Shay. So now it's up to Shay and Zed. What do they do now? And that's that's our introduction in the first issue. I dug the hell out of this book. I I, I don't see any reason why I'm not going to keep going with Wretches. I, Wretches number one. Dig it. This next book, <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about. I'm telling you, Action Lab Danger Zone has just had my heart this year. Between 
Banjax and going to the chapel. This has been bangers. And going to the chapel number three is Amongst Us. David Pepos, Gavin Guidry, and Liz Kramer. Cover by Emily Pearson. That's the one I picked up. There's been three covers to choose from so far throughout this whole run. So, yes, let's, oh, man, all of them have been amazing. It's so hard to choose. Honestly, I just picked the first one to make it easy. <laughs> uh, well, to be, no, I take that back. Uh, the guy that pulls my books gets to pick <laughs> because it's on my pull list. So, uh, and by the way, David Pepos, if you're not familiar or new to the podcast, you can go back and listen to a Creator Corner interview that I was lucky enough to have with him just not too long ago, earlier this year. Sue, go back, find that, learn all about it. We were talking right before issue number one launched, actually. So, carrying on with issue number three. This is just full of awesome sequences. (laughs) So it starts out with Granny. She's slipping one of the robbers an Ambien and the cake. You want some cake, Sonny? Oh, sure thing, Granny. You're not such a fucking raging bitch after all. No, he passes out. He's got the shotgun. Had the shotgun. Granny's got the shotgun. Meanwhile, Emily and Tom, they're planning their escape. You know, people still haven't caught on that Emily is perfectly cool with Tom. (laughs) That's how fucking clueless her family is. Uh, But uh, Emily, yeah, they're planning their escape. They have this whole sewer thing. Look, we can make it through this way and yada, yada, yada. Can't go through the doors because at this point the doors are rigged with the bombs because of the thing that happened in issue number two. See, issue number two. Meanwhile, well, Granny Harriet, she's got that shotgun. What's happening with that shotgun? Granny goes after Tom when she sees him with Emily. Well, uh, she shoots Mrs. Because, you know, she may be a badass, but she's still an old fucking bitch. (laughs) And there's a tussle at this point because the other bad Elvises are like, oh, shit, this is, you know, this is bad. So there's a tussle, and Jesse... He realizes that, well, fuck, Emily's about to get shot. She's right, you know, shotgun's pointing at her. He jumps in front of the way in the nick of time because guess what? He gets shot. Uh, It it looks pretty fucking dire. Everybody just assumes that he's dead because he just took the blunt of a shotgun blast to the chest. The thing is, is you don't really see any blood. You see just, like, some smoke coming off his chest. So that's my first indicator, like, he gonna be cool. (laughs) No one else gets it, though. I'm telling you, these fucking people... And this family are mm, not the smartest, not the smartest. And that has nothing to do with the writing. I think that's that's purposely saying, look how fucking dumb these people are. <laughs> um, so, uh, Jesse, he gets dumped off in this, well, uh, kind of the, I mean, it's a chapel. So apparently there's a place where they keep coffins and stuff because there's funerals that happen here. So the coffin room? I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know what you call it. I'm not privy to funerals and whatnot, or churches at all, for that matter. There's only a couple things I know about churches. <laughs> so, uh, carrying on, the family kind of comes together to stop the gang. Look, there's more of us than you, and they've got all their makeshift weapon weapons. They're not really upset with the fact that the gang still has guns. That doesn't scare them. Uh, see 
uh, 32 seconds ago when I referred to how stupid this family is. <laughs> Maybe ballsy at the same time. I don't know. I don't know. Well, Jesse, meanwhile, while all that's going on, you know, oh, we gotta save Emily. Meanwhile, Emily's like, bitch, I'm trying to fucking get the fuck out of here. I was about to leave this motherfucker at the chapel, and mm, all this shit happened, and... Uh. So, <laughs> Jesse, he wakes up, obviously, because the thing that blocked the, the, the bullet was this notebook that he, you know, this steel case notebook that, I don't know, where he had his vows in or something like that. I'm not sure. Uh, they, they definitely explain it in the book. I just, I write it down in my notes and it escaped my mind. I was <laughs> carrying on. That stopped the bullet. He wakes up. Oh shit, motherfucker. What you doing with my wife? He attacks Tom. Well, uh, when he attacks Tom, they go through the door. Well, remember how I said the door is rigged with bombs? You can't open the door? Well, the bomb has now started the countdown. Emily realizes this. So, uh, being as smart as she is, she now has the shotgun, by the way. She goes up to the steeple in the chapel. One of the things I know about churches is churches, churches, churches have steeples. And in steeples, the other thing I know about churches is bells. Are bells? <laughs> so she shoots the thingy that makes the gong thing and it falls down it's really big and heavy and that forces the bomb down underground problem down underground is where the sewers are sewers where they were going to go through and get out now once again they are trapped but what they do kind of have going for them is the the sheriffs, they're like, get the fuck out of here. You know, they said clear the zone. So they, they've kind of created a wider distance. So that could mean something in the fourth issue. I'm not sure. But the perimeter between them and the church diameter, radius, I don't radius, has been expanded. Uh, well, when Jesse walks in on Emily and Tom, says, get the fuck out of here, motherfucker, he kind of senses Emily's, yeah, yeah, mm, more feelings towards Tom kind of situation, and yeah, he's fucking, you know what, fuck it, and that's, that's the type of drama that it leaves off with, so we've got comedy to begin with, a uh, whole lot of action all throughout, and drama at the end. I don't know if there's anything this book isn't capable of delivering. This, uh, Pepos is a fucking master. The dude knows his crime. Gidrian Kramer on the art, it's beautiful. I did, uh, man, this book could be portrayed in so many artistic styles, but I think it's just as simplistic and beautiful and perfect as this has all been. Uh, it's, mm. I can't, I, I don't have enough good things to say about this series, and specifically this issue. This has been, admittedly, my favorite issue so far of the run. Well, I really went on and on on that one. Let's move on to the last indie book of the week. See how long I take on this one. Like I said, fucking all of these books were so great this week. This may be an extended podcast. I don't know, we'll see. Uh, I don't, I'm not sorry, though. Because you guys really do need to know about this stuff. So my my most hyped up book on Polis Priorities last week, I believe, was Undiscovered Country. I said, this is the next big thing. This will be a Walking Dead type of I need to find it issue number one book. It's already signed on for something. I don't know if it's a movie or a series or whatever. But it's it's going to be massive in popularity and the world's largest comic book store, Mile High Comics, my local comic book store, they ran out 
And I did say, hey, you need to get 100 of these. They ordered 60, and they did go to try to order 40 more. As soon as I said that, because <laughs> thankfully they listened to this podcast, and yeah, that's pretty awesome. And, but whether or not they were able, able to get those issues is I don't know, because this book is sold out like a motherfucker. And rightfully so after reading it. This is this is massive. Scott Snyder, Charles Soule, Giuseppe Camincoli, Daniel Orlandini, and Matt Wilson. Whew. Whew. Alright, guys. Here's I'm gonna try to do this quick. There's a sky virus. That's the thing. There's a sky virus. They uh, got these contained groups of people and the government. They're dropping this, air quotes, antiseptic dust over these contained areas. But the citizens, you know, they think, all right, this is what it is, is actually a conspiracy to kill all of these people. And it's going to wipe out all, all of those that are infected and anyone that's in this area. And, you know, it's just population control. Shit is fucked. And then we meet our two main characters. We've got Charlotte Greaves and Paul Pavel Bukowski. Now, there are several characters that are introduced into this, but for this first issue, I'm just going to talk about these two specifically by name. Uh, just because, uh, yeah, I don't want to muddy this up. Cheryl Greaves, she's this doctor. At, when we meet her, she's trying to save this boy. Unfortunately... It, it doesn't work out, and that's our in the instance of visually seeing how it doesn't work out for this boy. You kind of get your first taste of oh shit, this this book is gonna have its gruesome moments because the kid he's got like black gooey blech coming from his orifices in his face. And keep in mind, this is just an innocent child they're showing, so they're letting you know. <laughs> You know, nut up or shut up, as that one guy from that one movie once said. Carrying on. Uh, Colonel Pavel Bukowski, he is our token badass, so it seems. And we got our doctor, and we got to team up. I got a message from America. That is... So, I mean, that's an impossible situation in this scenario, because that's kind of the, the purpose of this thing. America is shut off from the rest of the world no one knows what the fuck's going on in america so what uh the the location of these two at this particular time i want to say is somewhere in africa or maybe south america i'm not mistaken i i I don't know just not america and so we get this this message together okay we got to form this team we got all these other researchers and there's other people that have their own i i do this and i do that and i'm specific for this well the message they receive from america is they have this cure for sky which is kind of the word for this the sky virus they just call it sky it's kind of like how the walking dead would say walkers see what i'm saying here it's just sky is going to be a a very utilized term, in my opinion, from here on. It's not, I, I don't know. That's just... That's mm, uh, I, that's how I perceive the popularity of this book going, I'm telling you. <laughs> well, the person delivering this message is this Sam Elgin. He's this doctor, if you have... Or scientist, I guess. And he says, look, uh, I, I have the cure for Sky, but we have to negotiate the all of this on American soil, so I invite you to America. Let's go to America. Team goes to America. Problem is, when they get over America, 
you know, you, when you see it, it's all walled in and steel, and it's just, it doesn't look very inviting, let's put it this way. Well, they get shot the fuck down, and this is very confusing for them, because they're thinking, well, we were invited, this has got to be a mistake. So they're not totally freaked out at this point, but they're still on their toes a little bit. Well, they crash land as they're shot down, and they're, they're doing their thing to, you know, they're survivors, they're all soldiers, they're very capable, smart smart beings, humans, they are humans, and the reason why I stress they're humans is because from here, once they land in America, we realize that this book takes a turn that was not expected based off any solicitations or hints or anything at all. This is a very non-human world in America, and a very anti- non-American <laughs> type of situation. The pilot, he gets separated and they see that one of these, uh, I'm just going to call it a creature for now, has the pilot and he fucking steps on its goddamn, steps on his leg, breaks it, no problem, no remorse. You know, you're not from here, what the fuck are you doing here? You are going to suffer because of it. The crew sees this from over a hill in the distance, and they realize, we're not going to go say hi. <laughs> Let's go around. Well, when they go around, they're, uh, well, I, they're still confronted by these creatures, because they're, they're, the, the creatures are chasing them at this point. That's what's happening. Yeah, the creatures are chasing them. Well, they are saved. They're saved by this group called the Silent Minority. And it's really at this point, I believe, if I recall, it might just be one person at, uh, at this point. You know, he's able to, you know, create the distractions, get them the fuck out of there. They get him to this underground society and they explain, check it out, the Destiny Man, he's now aware that you're here, he's after you, so we know that Destiny Man is going to be the main bad motherfucker behind this new evil, I w well, I guess we can call it evil, presumably evil, society of monsters and creatures and aggression. Well, uh... They, they, they're they taken to the, air quote, leader, and it happens to be this Sam Elgin. So he pulled a little whoopsie-woo, you know, it's, I had to get you here somehow type of situation. But the ironic thing is he's got the whole Uncle Sam going on, and he gives the, I want you to save America. <laughs> and, oh, fuck. That is issue number one of Undiscovered Country. And, yes, I did go in deep on that again. Oh, man, these indies really fucking killed it this week. It just goes to show how uh, oh, comic books are so much more than just superheroes and Spider-Man and Batman. No, not that there's anything against any of that at all, because if it wasn't for that, indies wouldn't be a thing. But, oh man, this, I, I just talked about four completely different types of independent comic books that were all equally... 11 out of 10 star rating books. <laughs> so, fucking A, man. Fucking A. Undiscovered Country. Scott Snyder, Charles Soule. I hope this is one of those things that we're, we're talking 150 issues. I, I, would, I would love to see it. And it's an image title, so we know it's more than... It's very, very capable. Selling out, guys. Selling out. Get you. Get you some Undiscovered Country. Let's move on to DC Comics now. We got Justice League number 35. Only a couple of DC books to talk about, but they're both really fucking good. Justice League number 35, Scott Snyder, James Tinney, and Francis Manpool, and Hi-Fi, covered by Raphael Albuquerque. One thing I do want to mention about the DC books this week is they had these acid 
acetate. I don't know words, therefore I podcast. <laughs> These uh, two-in-one type of covers, you know, you got the see-through on the top, and you lift it up, and you're like, oh, shit, it's different. So, <laughs> I don't know, it was really cool. This one, it was, I, I don't know, you got to see it for yourself. You just got to go buy the book. Well, let me put it that way. So, shout-out to Raphael Albuquerque on his cover this week. So, the heroes of all the timelines have now gathered at the Hall of Justice, and Luther's symbol is appearing in the sky, as we have witnessed throughout several DC titles, and all throughout DC, and I do appreciate the fact that, you know, that's pretty cool. You know, at the end of a lot of these DC books, Nightwing, pretty much all of them, you look at them and like, oh shit, hey, fucking shit's happening, what's that? And you see Luther sim- Luther's symbol. Well... It really is kind of signifying, yes, he, he, they, they, the bad have won. Everything thought to be good, but something happened out in space, Shane and Hot Girl, you know, they, they, they've kind of failed on their part, and, I mean, it wasn't all their fault, obviously, but, still, yeah, well, I'll get to them in a second, we gotta cut to what Perpetua is doing, she's got all the power now, and she wiping out multiverses that's what she came to do she came to bring the pain and i believe she starts out with earth five i want to say it's earth five she wipes it the fuck out and we get a really cool sequence of all of that cool god damn brian uh oh it's a terrifying sequence of all of this happening and <laughs> sad and uh is it it's it's, it's a cool <laughs> it's cool you got to see it for yourself like i said buy the book well, uh, fortunately, the thing that, you know, the Justice League have going for them is she can't just do it all at once. When she wipes out a, 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 a universe within the multiverses, she's got to rest for a second. Regain her power. Well, meanwhile, Shane and Hot Girl, like I said, they are floating in space. Hot Girl, she's fucked up. Shane, he's, he's communicating with Batman. We're lost in space, we're up in the Javelin, which is the ship they're in. Hot Girl's injured, Batman, bring us back. Well, Batman, he has the ability to bring him back because he's Batman and science and portals and, you know, he's you don't question that type of stuff. And, well, Perpetua, she gets word of all this, despite the fact, you know, she's healing. She's like, no, 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 not in my house. And she fucks up the ship and Javelin is... It's 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 fucked. It's it's sent crashing through space, and yeah, we'll learn more about that soon. And the next issue, I presume. Meanwhile, Perpetua, she says, or actually Lex is talking with Perpetua, and says, despite the fact that you know we've are we're badass. We all know that, but I've fucked up in the past and kind of underestimated the Justice League. Let's not do that. And Perpetua says, I agree. Lex Luthor, go kill the Justice League. And Lex Luthor says, I've been waiting for this. Hmm. Hmm. Badass. <laughs> Dude, I can't fucking wait for this. Snyder, I guess he's wrapping it up at 40 on this run. I don't know. Uh, fuck, man. This has been this has been a great series. I, I've been digging the hell out of it. Let's talk the last DC book of the week. Batman. Batman number 82. Tom King, Mikel Janine, and 
Jordi Belair, covered by David Finch and Alex Sinclair. Once again, it's one of them crazy two-in-one type of covers. It's see-through, kind of partially on the... Yeah, gotta go see it for yourself. So, uh, is, there's... <laughs> this is a banger of a book. It's probably been the best issue of the City of Bane uh, kind of story arc so far. Jeez. Uh, I could do this real quick and fast because it's one of them tip, one of those types of Tom King books where you know it's not a whole lot of dialogue. You you just you know what the fuck's going on visually. And Mikhail Janine and Jordi Belair they deliver visually. Batman vs Bane they square up, and we have this whole situation where Batman says, you know what, no help. Bane says, no Catwoman. He says, not her city. Not her city, bro. Just me and you. Takes off the cow, shirtless, no cape, no gadgets, nothing. Bane disconnects the the, the venom. Uh, it's, you know, Bane likes to fight naked. Thankfully, he does leave his pants on. But, uh, so, yes, one-on-one. Immediately, as soon as they square off, Catwoman's whip comes in. <laughs> Batman don't give a fuck at this point. He really does not. Uh, god damn, this is so fucking cool. So we get a bat, cat, versus Bane fight, and it is bloody. Catwoman rips the fuck out of Bane's face. Batman, check it out. Check it out. Batman breaks Bane. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. I would say probably single panel of the week as far as... Yeah, no. <laughs> it's it's just it's going to be an iconic panel. I I I really do believe it's going to be an iconic panel, just like the Nightfall cover of, you know, equivalent of Bane breaking Batman. I have a feeling that this is going to be huge in Batman history. Batman breaks Bane. Well, as Batman is going to you know, kind of make sure Bane is done for, not kill him, obviously, but make sure he's done for, we, throughout all of this, there's a sequence of other things happening, and uh, it's following Thomas Wayne, he's very aware of what's going on, and what we come to realize as readers throughout all of this is this is not the city of Bane at all, Bane, as the double cover goes to show, (laughs) is just being puppeted by Thomas Wayne this whole time. Thomas Wayne, he makes his way towards the Bane and Batman fight, and as Batman's getting ready to fucking suplex Bane, his Bane up over his head, shoots Batman, shoots Bruce Wayne in the stomach. Last panel, Bane laying broken, Batman laying shot, Thomas Wayne, fuck you, I'm Batman. (laughs) Dude. Oh, man. See, this is why I don't lose faith in titles that I have great confidence in the creative team. Not everything is going to be for you. Yes, there have been some story arcs since I've been covering Batman that haven't been necessarily favorable on my behalf. But this is just one of those ones where this is going to be a trade that everybody's going to want. Just like volume three of this run that Tom King did from back when it was the whole rebirth thing, the I Am Bane. 
I Am Bane and City of Bane are going to be two very, very pivotal, pivotal trades, arc, story arcs in the Batman lore from here on out, I promise you. So, kudos to Tom King. I never, never lost faith, man. Never lost faith. Let's move on to Marvel Comics. We're going to talk X-Force, X-Force number one, talking Dawn of X now, guys. Benjamin Perry, Joshua Casada, and Dean White, covered by Dustin Weaver. Now, I'll probably move pretty quick on this one, to be perfectly honest. I'm just going to touch on the little bits that I got. Like a lot of these new Dawn of X number ones, and really since Hickman has taken over for the most part, it's a lot of information <laughs> in a lot of pages. The, yeah, so let's just, let me just give this a shot. We've got the Seeker Anti-Mutant Society, as one would have in an X-Men universe. And they're all in this weird cultish-like circle, and in order to continue on before the meeting con commences, they have to give a little bit of blood, test it, prove they're not mutant. Well, in this group of hooded cultists, we have Domino. She done snuck her way in. Well, when it comes time for her to give blood, she's... Nah, dog, I can't. I can't. Well, obviously, this is going to raise some eyebrows. She's been caught. She's been had. Essentially, this is setting up with the overall main mission of what probably is going to be the first X-Force story arc is going to be. Let's gotta save Domino. Meanwhile, we're getting a little bit of information here regarding the security of Krakoa and, well, who's in charge of all that. And that is Black Tom Cassidy. And I would like to equate him to kind of a Poison Ivy type of character as far as his uh, the way he cre uh, uh, utilizes the security system. And the security system is this, it's called the Green Bonded Alarm System. So that right there, just the whole Green Bonded thing, is my first, oh, you know, Poison Ivy. I guess I could say Swamp Thing, but I got a different type of Swamp Thing vibe in another New Mutant type of book. <laughs> <laughs> that came out this week, but yeah, let's talk about uh, Black Tom Cassidy, and he kind of, he's able to communicate through plant intelligence, and he sees all through the plants, and you know, Krakoa is all one big type of thing, you know, you, you know, so, yes, uh, meanwhile, there is this warning against all who have yet to sign the treaty, you know, who oppose the, the mutant acknowledgement, the the sovereignty. And, yeah, that's kind of setting up some stuff there as well. So we got two story arcs possibly in the works. Well, while all that's going on, Krakoa, it gets invaded. We got our first Krakoan invasion. We're not exactly sure who's doing it yet, but what we do know is that Xavier, he's fucked up. He's Fucked up, dog. We see Cerebro laying to the side. A little bit of blood coming out of Xavier. He's laying on the ground. Not so good. Not so good. So, essentially what they're setting up here is the... the I've been led to believe the CIA type of uh, team that we're getting out of this. And, uh, well, I guess... What's to be expected as far as more characters in this? Because I really only mentioned Domino and Xavier now that I think about it. 
Wolverine and Beast are definitely a part of this. Uh, Kid Omega is mentioned in it as well. So, yeah, no, it's... I'm going to keep going with this one for at least the first story arc for sure. You know, it was it was up and down as far as the pacing went for me, but in the long run, I still found the overall we-got-to-rescue-domino type of situation to be pretty intriguing. Let's keep it going. We're going to talk Immortal Hulk now. Immortal Hulk number 26. Oh, man. We got a new story arc, baby. This is Legacy numbering 743. Al Ewing, Joe Bennett, Roy Jose, and Paul Mounts. This team back together again. Covered by Alex Ross, as he has been doing for 26 issues straight now. So good on you there. Uh, All right. What's going on here? This is some dark shit. Banner, he is sending out, broadcasting this message after the whole shadow base scenario. Fuck General 14. I'm taking over your shit. Shadow base is my base now. But that's a secret. He's not broadcasting that. But he's broadcasting from there. And the broadcast is essentially saying, I'm waging a war on humans. You guys are wasting all of your resources. Nothing is good because of you. So be prepared. Yeah. Message goes out, life goes on for Bruce Banner. He meets up with Amadeus Cho. Amadeus Cho, this is the first time that they have met since, well, Civil War II, now that I think about it. Yeah, so it's been, it's been a couple, it's been two and a half years since these guys have all been, or these guys have been in the same panel alive together. They're in a diner. And Amadeus is trying to convince Banner, look, dude, I, I know all about the Hulk syndrome. And essentially, he kind of associates it with DID or uh, dissociative identity disorder. And yeah, he says, I, I, fought, I fought Hulk syndrome and I won, but because you're kind of the origin, I'm not sure this is something you can beat. And I really think you should think extra hard as Banner right now about possibly, you know, maybe Hulk is not having the best interest of yours in mind as well. You should think about that. Uh, law, uh, I mean, throughout, and this conversation goes on, you know, throughout, there's several different things happening. It's paced. <laughs> it goes, it cuts like a Tarantino movie. Let's, let's put it that way. In the long run, Amadeus, he's, he's not necessarily satisfied with all of, you know, Hulk's agreeing and lack thereof. He takes off. <laughs> we get a really, really, really cool moment where the uh, the waiter, uh, <laughs> god damn it, is actually Namor himself, the Submariner. And guess who else hates humans? Namor the Submariner. We're going to have a story arc where Bruce Banner and Namor team up to end all humans. Fucking Bender the Robot style, man. This is... And they're going to use Hulk as the blunt object to target Roxxon. And, oh man, there's (laughs) good stuff going on in this book. Technically, that's just the diner scene. There's other instances and scenarios popping off and on between uh, McGowan and Samson debating Hulk's motives and whether or not, you know, that's, that's, uh, you know, something that should be admired or followed or rebelled against at this point because they're all in shadow base themselves and whew, immortal hulk man immortal hulk and it doesn't leave out the horror aspects as, as well you know it's nothing that i personally touched on uh, verbally throughout this podcast but 
uh, that's, you, you'll have to notice it for yourself when you're going to read it. I, I once again, highly recommended. 11 out of 10, man. Moving on, Savage Avengers number 7, Jerry Duggan, Pat Zercher, and Zava Tartaglia. Covered by David Finch and Frank Darmada. Uh, two scenarios going on here. It starts out with Elektra delivering a message to kind of an astral uh, projection of Doctor Strange, but, you know, useful nevertheless. Uh, kind of saying, look, this is what's going on with Voodoo. After all of that shit that happened, see last six issues. Voodoo is now taken by Kulan Goth. He's been drugged down, and yeah, he's, he's yeah, that's what's going on. We gotta save Voodoo. And by the way, how come Strange you didn't take out Kulan Goth when you had the chance? Now this is what ties in the second part of the story, my favorite part of the story. <laughs> Doctor Strange says, "Well, Kulan Goth, he possessed this this amulet of power of his power called the Third Eye, and that clicks with Electra, and she's like, hold on, does this amulet, you know, blah 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 blah? Well, if you were reading the last story arc, you know that Conan now possesses this amulet because it was that's how Conan and Kulan Goth originally meet. He's going for this treasure, and he knows how valuable this amulet is, and yeah." But I believe, if I'm not mis- if I'm not mistaken, Conan gave it to his, gave it away to someone. I could, ah man, I believe he gave it away to someone. So what's going on with Conan? Well, he's definitely being hunted at this point, and he's at this bar in this jungle, and there's this ops team after him, and they tranquilize him. And when he wakes up, you know, originally when he walks in there, he's not just having a having a drink. He, he fucks some motherfuckers up because they come after him as well. You're con- if they, if, so after he fucks him up, he has his drink. He gets tranked, wakes up. Bartender's still there, but the thing he notices, and it's one once again another banger of a panel. My second favorite panel of the week is actually more of a dialogue type of situation, but the visuals bring it well, bring it on as well. And that's the way he realizes that he's somewhere else, and it's the the stench of men uh, was evacuating themselves, messing themselves, and death is gone. So he realizes that this the situation's been cleaned up. So makes a run for it. There's another ops team out there waiting for him. There's no effect on him. He breaks through what seems to be this containment area, and this containment area is this uh, recreation of where he was at. And when he breaks through that, he's in Latveria. And the person there to greet him is, of course, Dr. Motherfucking Doom. And he means him no harm. He means him no harm. He knows he's a Conan the Barbarian is of use. And I want to say it's because, you know, this amulet that he believes he possesses. Uh, nevertheless, he says, Conan, you've been out doing some shit for a while. I bet you you're hungry like a motherfucker. Let me feed you. That tempts Conan. And he says, you know what? I'm going to have a proper meal. Um, I'm reluctant. Weird guy with the strange steel face and green cape. But I'm hungry. And a good meal sounds delicious. And god damn, Savage Avengers. Through seven issues. Yes, it's not Diodoto on the art anymore. But... God, I've been mentioning his name a lot lately, huh? Patch Zercher and Zava Tartagula. 
they fill the shoes. I am as bold as to say it, they fill the shoes. It's very reminiscent, but at the same time still has its own type of feel and beauty to it. And, oh, man, the violence is there. It's all there. It's all there. Read you some Savage Avengers slurs. It's so freaking good. All right, let's keep it going. We've got uh, the continuation of another book that... Uh, the last issue was on my off week. Old Man Quilt number 10 I missed, but I will be talking about number 11. Oh, man. Ethan Sachs, Robert Gill, Rachel Rosenberg, the creative team, covered by John Tyler Christopher, as it has been. Now, really what we missed here is Reed Richards is an essential part of Quill making it back to the Wasteland in his timeline. So, issue 10... He's elsewhere, and he needs Reed Richards. Let's get Reed Richards. So he uses Herbie to, uh, and who allows Quill to use the time sled to go through time to where Reed Richards is at. Why does he need Reed Richards? Reed Richards knows where the ultimate nullifier is. Now, if you've been following this series at all, the ultimate nullifier is the main subject of this whole thing. He who possesses the ultimate nullifier is the one, I mean, it, technically, the prophet, uh, prophecy, I think it's through a prophecy, uh, Quill, if he gets the ultimate nullifier, he's gonna fuck up the universal church of truth, and if they can't be a thing, then, mm, yeah, that's bad, and the universal church of truth, at this point in time, is now the herald of Galactus, and if Galactus doesn't, you understand, or, you, you, you get a good idea, at least, so, Quill, he makes it, to Reed Richards, and when he makes it to Reed Richards, he finds him, um, dead. Dead as fuck, as a matter of fact, laying in this pod with Sue Richards. Well, there's this video screen over them, and of course, that's where this message came from. That's where the thing came from. It says, oh, hey, bro, ultimate nullifier, turn around, it's, like, right there. <laughs> Quill has the ultimate nullifier now. He does... Still, he's, he's, keep in mind he is hyper-fucking-depressed at this point. He has lost all of the Guardians. You know, they all died uh, fighting the Universal Church of Truth, trying to protect him, making sure that he can get the, the ultimate nullifier. And when he shows up to Reed Richards, he sees, oh, fuck, he's dead too. Probably my fault. And he's hallucinating throughout this whole trip back on the time sled. And as he's going through space... One thing he's not hallucinating. Keep I one thing I did forget to mention is the this uh, AI co-pilot that goes along with him. That's kind of the the comedic relief in this ultra depressing story. Uh, so yes, they're flying through. There's a point in time where Quill he knows. Hey, is that a fucking time stone? And the the uh, autopilot copilot yeah autopilot says well it's just a tiny little shard so if you were to use it it's so small I mean you'd only be able to essentially go back six seconds. Uh, <laughs> well that he says fuck it I'm gonna take it anyway. So well that proves to be very very useful when Quasar comes into the equation and just fucks up the ship, and we get a really really cool panel. My third favorite visual panel, single panel of the week. When Quavar, Quavar, Quasar punches the front of the ship. I, I found it to be hysterical the way that, you know, seatbelts save lives, bro. <laughs> Quo goes flying against the windshield. Uh, well, 
six seconds back. Hmm, the time stone seems to be of use. Six seconds back, Quill uses the uh, ultimate nullifier, but we get this really, really cool type of situation where you see two of Quill, and that it's able to fuck up Quasar enough to like because I don't know, it's this you know time travel. It's fucking weird, right? <laughs> uh, once again, visually fucking so stunning. So stunning, god damn. There's so many runners in the interiors of the week. This is definitely the longest I had to 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 deliberate, but I'll get to that later on. Uh yes. So Quill uses the, the ultimate nullifier, fucks up Quasar. Bam. He makes it back to the wastelands because he was able to be, obtain the coordinates. That was the other thing that he needed from Reed Richards, because they can't can't go to a place they've never been, and Richards has been there, so he has the coordinates and time travel, am I right? Well, when he gets back to the wastelands, he's like, hey, Viv, Viv Vision. That was a, a thing that we didn't get to talk about together in issue 10, is Viv Vision was a big part uh, of, you know, teaming up with Quill. Well, when he arrives, she's dead like a motherfucker. And once again, who's on the last panel? Who's on the last panel? Dr. Doom. Dr. Doom. This time, he's not offering dinner. He, uh, he crushes the ultimate nullifier. That is a problem in Quill's eyes. Bro, what did you do? Bum, bum, bum. Issue 12. Is, oh, man. I gotta wait a month. I don't want to wait a month. I want to know. I want to know. Oh, that's not how it goes. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the Red Bull. Uh, all right. Man, Old Man Quill has been amazing. Uh, Ethan Sachs is a master of the wastelands, as I've said multiple times. I've probably said this uh, a minimum of nine times. No exaggeration. Carrying on. Weapon Plus. We got an absolute carnage tie-in this week, y'all. And I was reluctant. I was reluctant because the tie-ins have not been so awesome as far as the the, the minis and the singles. The, the Venom tie-ins were great. The absolute carnage you know, story in itself, the main story, phenomenal. Yes, there's been a couple of times. Like, okay, fuck yeah, I'd read that again. I'd recommend that. But for the most part, not, not okay. I kind of got that out of the out of the main story. Weapon Plus, Absolute Carnage. Weapon Plus is n- this is its own thing that didn't need to happen, but still highly, highly entertaining. Mainly, maybe I'm a little bit biased because I was a big fan of Weapon H, and that you know that ended a few months ago. So, and we—it's not a character that's talked about at all, really. The only time I, I take that back, I take that back. Uh, in the running for single issue of the year was War of the Realms tie-in, and he was a part of oh shit, which what was it? It was one of the. It was Strike Force. That's what it was. It was Strike Force War Avengers. That was the only time we've seen Weapon H since, since his you know, his run ended, and once again, there's a reason why it's in the running for my single issue of the year. 
Carrying on, this book revolves around him almost entirely. There, uh, in the beginning of the book, we're getting just a quick brief rundown of the weapons program, starting with Captain America, and then it kind of skips ahead a little bit, and they relate it to World War II, and then finding the Grendel dragon, and how the government handled that, and they created their own war symbiote type of thing. Yes. Well, uh, I thought, I, you know, I thought that was a really cool, I don't know, three to five page quick if you haven't read you know some of the few vital issues in the the web of venom type of stuff that went about and all of that stuff that really kind of delved into that and still gave some new information on top of all of that stuff here's some stuff so back to clay clay he's just trying to make his way home he's got his beard which I will say, oh, I forgot to give, before I carry on, I got to give credit to the creative team. Jed McKay, Stefano Rafal, and uh, Dono Sanchez Almara. All right, back to the story. <laughs> got to give credit to the creators. So we've got Clay and his beautiful beard, which I w do want to say seems to change sizes a few times throughout. Which I actually find amusing. I don't find this any reason to be like, ah, don't buy this book. Mm, fucking art's inconsistent. I find some inconsist inconsistencies to be humorous. Because <laughs> I think beard culture is hilarious. Uh, mostly because I can't grow a beard. Mm. Carrying on. So Clay comes home. Thing is, is that his family, they're being held hostage. And... It's by no stranger, it's his former uh, commanding officer, the one that back when Clay was in the military, was, you know, he said, go kill all those innocent people, and Clay said, no. <laughs> so they do kind of give a flashback of that, another perspective of that. I like how they, you know, good shit, because it's not technically a new character. We do know this guy. But at this point... You know, the hostage situation is leverage. Says, look, we have to, we've got to fight this thing called Carnage, this Cletus Cassidy. Now, keep in mind, the events of this book take place before issue number one of Absolute Carnage. So this is essentially a prequel type of situation. Normally, these type of timed out uh, tie-ins frustrate me. Why, towards the butt end of the story, are we get a this? Are we getting a this takes place in the very beginning? Well, when you pull through and deliver a story that's entertaining, in the long run, it's all about being entertained, right? I can forgive that, and this is a book that's highly forgivable in this situation. So, but keep in mind, once you go out or while you're going through this and reading it, you're the carnage. Uh, situation is still kind of new. No one knows exactly what Carnage's motivation is and the whole spine ripping and all of that good stuff. Well, time to fight Carnage. Weapon H vs. Carnage. And I will say that Weapon H vs. Carnage was uh, and so much more entertaining on every level than Venomized Hulk vs. Carnage. Because I just... They did them wrong. They did that battle wrong. They should have got 16 pages of just that fight. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being cynical. Uh, but we're made. it's all made up for. 
Weapon Age vs. Carnage is so good, in fact, that Carnage even almost admires Weapon Age's ability to uh, not die. And Carnage has no use for his spine. He's never been possessed by a symbiote at this point. He's still pretty fucking new. Well, Carnage, he, he moves on. He, he's got what he's got. You know, he takes out all the... Because, you know, all the, the crew the Weapon H is with, I guess what I forgot to mention, you know, that this former commanding officer has, they are also possessing symbiotes as well. And that's what Carnage is ripping the spines out of. You know, all, all these other situations. So he's got his shit, carry on, bye-bye. Well, Clay at this point, okay, well, I did my part, family safe, Carnage 6, or uh, Clay 6 Carnage on... The, the dude that, you know, had his family hostage, and because he's currently in possession of some symbiotic-type situation, Carnage is more than obliged to do so. Family's free. Big hug. Mm. Now, you, one would think, well, shit, Carnage was pretty merciful to old Clay there, old Weapon H. No. As a matter of fact, uh, he, finds him, he finds Clay to be such a threat the the reason he left him to leave or left him able to live was because of what's to come when Noel arrives the 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 terror and pain that's going to happen throughout all of this is going to be so excruciating he's going to wish that carnage allowed him to die when they fought so i found that to be very dark and metal at the same time it, this book surprised me i almost skipped it you know, I bought it. I was going to buy it regardless, just because I'm got to complete the whole fucking series. Cause that's OCD. OCD and collecting is, whew, damn, it's dangerous. <laughs> it's a good thing that, yeah. Well, carrying on, carrying on. Daredevil is going to be the last book of the overviews this week. Once again, then I'm gonna talk about the last issue. Yada 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 yada. But. Just what we get out of this issue gives us a pretty good insight as to what happened. One of the reasons that I didn't get to actually read the issue myself was because I received a misprinted issue. And I opened it up, and the pages were the variant cover, and then I continued on. We got a little bit of the story, and then we got three pages repeating the very end of the story. So I opened it up, and it's spoiled at the end. <laughs> so, I went into this one not knowing what the hell happened. Thankfully, Chip Zarsky, Marco Cicetto, and Nolan Woodard do an amazing job of filling us all in. And the spoiler that I got in that last issue is, well, Kingpin killing the shit out of someone. And as we all know, Kingpin, he, does that, he doesn't do that anymore. He's got to maintain this squeaky clean mayoral type of image. Well, he's this, this bully was just, you know, a former bully was just berating him. No respect, I tell you, no respect. It forced Kingpin into a violent situation that left a bathroom mighty mighty bloody now we pick up with a kingpin very worried about his image being tarnished he's fucking ruined well who's he gonna call wesley who else wesley says i'm on it you know we got fucking mr wolf himself i got this shit i'm gonna go grab julio uh because and julio is gonna come with me to clean up this bloody mess because 
you know, I'm going to kill his family if he doesn't. So, leverage, am I right? Wesley takes Julio, says, Julio, please clean up this bathroom. Who's Julio? Julio is just the janitor in the building. That's all he is. He's just this poor, innocent dude that's just roped in the situation. He's walking by. Wesley says, you look like the guy that can clean up some shit. I'm about to ruin your fucking life. So he's taken into this room. Clean it up, please. He's cleaning it up. Wesley says, check it out. Don't worry, Fisk. I've got this shit. And Fisk, he is seriously, emotionally fucking battered. He doesn't know what to do. He really thinks that he's ruined. I mean, there's tears coming out of his eyes. He's really breaking down to Wesley. Wesley says, cool it, bullet. I've got this shit. We're going to set this up like a suicide. But you start thinking, you know, while you're watching all of this happen, they dispose of the body in Julio's trash can. And you're thinking, well, how are they going to make this look like a suicide as I'm reading this? Well, as Julio starts to clean up, uh, the, the, er, just finishing up, he's almost done. Wesley says, we got this, Julio. It's all done, thanks, but it's been, it's been real. Carry on. We got this. You're good. Julio says, well, uh, it's, it's not all done. I'm sorry, man. It's, it's still, you know, some shit I got to clean up. Wesley says, oh, dude, don't worry about it. We just got to make it look like... You know, it wasn't a murder. It's got to look like a suicide. Okay. All right, man. See you later. Here's where things go terribly fucking wrong for Julio. Uh, he is going to be the one that's made to look like a suicide. And Wesley says, I'm sorry, dude. Your family's going to be compensated. Don't worry about them. They're going to be good. We're going to give them all types of shit, but you're dead now. Fisk, he grabs him, holds out his wrist. Wesley takes out a straight razor, and you can only just assume what happens from there. So he's going to be the uh, the scapegoat there. And, whew, yeah. But while all of that's going on, Daredevil is being trained by Elektra. And we get a cool training montage, and, you know, she... It seems things are looking up. You know, he's, he's starting to get his wits about him, and bam, 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 able to land a strike on a blow to Elektra, and says, you're ready for phase two. We need you to tap into blah, blah, blah. And they're kind of um, ambiguous as to what that blah, 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 is. As I so dictionarily worded. <laughs> Look at me. Look at me go. Listen to me go. <sighs> so, but what's going on with Cole? Tell you what's going on with Cole. He's cruising the streets. A couple of these punk ass motherfuckers are picking on this homeless guy. Cole ain't having that shit. And, you know, he, uh, he, 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 well, for lack of better words, re bullies them back. Don't do that shit. And, yeah, homeless man, he's real grateful. And he says something that just really, really gets to Cole. And what he says is, we need more men like you. And the reason why this really gets to Cole is because lately, in the last few issues, is he's really been questioning himself. You know, he's this cop that's been dead set to go after Daredevil. And over the last couple of issues, he's realized that maybe Daredevil ain't so bad after all, on account he saved his life, and all this other stuff. And, yeah. Well, uh, and just in perfect timing, as Cole breaks down, he's on the street, he's having himself a little bit of a weep, a uh, hand is extended out to him, and you could probably guess who this hand is. 
And uh, no, it's not the hand. It's not the hand at all. And normally when you say the hand in a Daredevil book, <laughs> you're thinking you're going to talk about the fucking hand again. Nope, it's Matt Murdock himself. And he's all hooded up and says, hey, bud, you know, let's... Uh, let, let, let's have us a chat, you know, and mm, fucking, yeah, get ourselves a little bit of a bloody moment happening here, and this issue solidifies the fact that it is definitely, it, at the very worst, tied for the number one ongoing Marvel title, uh, yeah, yeah, hitting shelves currently, it's, it's been absolutely amazing, 13 issues of just pure fucking badass, Yes, I'm a massive Kingpin fan, and the way that Zarski is writing Kingpin is—it's it, it, great. It really is. And when you have a Kingpin arc, I'm—I'm um, I'm gonna dig it. I really am. But when a Kingpin arc is really, 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 really good, yes, I'm going to solidify it as an absolutely amazing book. And with Daredevil being just—I uh, was. I was not a Daredevil fan until admittedly the TV series. And then I started reading Daredevil as soon as as soon as I was into comics and reading and watching the series at the same time Daredevil was on my list back when Charles Soule was writing him and I've fallen in love with this character. He's easily in my top I don't know, probably my space 8 <laughs> my top MySpace 8 for uh, superhero characters. Now, I can't even say characters, uh, protagonists in the Marvel Universe. So great. I, uh, if you're not reading Daredevil and you're reluctant and you think, oh, what's a guy fucking blind? The writers will end the creative teams are enough to prove why you should do it. <laughs> so yes, I have rambled on once again quite a bit. And that does it for the overviews. Before I get to the honorable mentions, I am going to take just a small break here, refill my glass. But don't worry, I'll be right back. I'm going to leave you with this. Hey everybody, this is RJ, Ash, Ray, Brandon, Harrison, and Bronson. We host a Dungeons & Dragons podcast called Realms and Nerds. Some highlights of our show include wreaking havoc in every town we visit, blowing up hot tubs, killing off fan-favorite characters, high necromancers, inappropriate wedding etiquette, and every now and then, actually good storytelling. Join us in the realms of Pridea for fun fantasy adventures. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or just about wherever you get podcasts. Alright, I'm back. I got my upslope, my Citra Pale Ale, Floral Juicy Brilliant, as the can says. Not the first time I've had this beer on the podcast. The 7-Eleven next door seems to carry this, so I grab it. Because <laughs> uh, we can do this in Colorado now. We're one of the last few states that allow you to get full-strength beer at non-liquor stores, so, yay, no more near beer. Real Rocky Mountain, yeah. Let's move on. Haven't you enough, Brian? Uh, let's talk about honorable mentions. Man, there, there are some, some honors to be given this week, that's for sure. I'm gonna start with the Marvel mentions. Uh, it's kind of a shame to have one of the 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 X6 as I'm gonna call it, you can have that Hickman 
for the price. The X6 books, because <laughs> they're six books, X-Men books. I don't fucking know. New Mutants, that's the thing. Uh, it was, it follows a team that, there's there's not really a person on the team that I particularly am intrigued by. A lot of the members seem to really be the members of main focus on, uh, th that was going on in uh, Brisson and uh, Matthew Rosenberg's run. And Brisson and Hickman team up, are going to be teaming up on New Mutants, going back and forth, collaborating between issues and... Yeah, they, they announced how the first five issues are going to work together. On the first one, they're going to work uh, together to write it, and the next one's going to be Brisson, or Brisson, and the one after that's going to be Hickman, and then they're going to come together again, or something like that. I don't know. I'm sure I'm wrong, but you get the idea. fact is, is I couldn't really find a, a real talking point. Uh, I, my favorite part of the book was actually the, the f very first page, and that was the rebirth of Danny. I know that Danny's death was kind of controversial, and... Yeah, I, I that controversial death in Rosenberg's run. I, I want air quote controversial because it's controversially controversial. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was cool to see her back. They, you know, you know, the fan service for sure. But uh, there was there uh, some things that I just uh, I'm lost on. I'm lost, but I'm still gonna at least give it three three issues for sure. For sure. Next up, we've got Yondu, number one. This is a five-issue miniseries from Kelly Thompson. It, it's if, when you think if you're familiar with Kelly Thompson and you know Yondu at all, and you were to put them together and think, I wonder what I would get. You get this book. So <laughs> I didn't think anything I would talk about would be a big surprise to anyone. I, st I would still recommend it. I think it's going to be a cool story. Amazing Spider-Man number thirty-three. This is kicking off the whole 2099 stuff. Actually, the last issue did, but this is l really the beginning of it, I guess. I don't know. Uh, you know, I've, I have a feeling this is going to be one of those, you know, Spencer Spider-Man run has been roller coastery for me. The last one, the, the, I mean, the last run was good, but the one before that, the whole Craven thing, wasn't really my cup of tea, but the one before that was good. And this one hasn't really grabbed me quite yet, but I am going to keep reading them. I'm not going to stop buying amazing Spider-Man books while you're in comics. I don't, I mean, I don't, not to place judgment, but it's kind of, if you call yourself a Marvel comic book collector and you don't buy Spider-Man to have in your collection, I don't know. I, I mean, like I said, no judgment, but that's just how I perceive it. That's the only reason I haven't really dropped the book, to be honest. <laughs> Doctor Doom, number two. I have a feeling this is going to be a book I go back and forth as far as whether it makes the overviews or not. I do think that it was a stronger issue than number one. Uh, I, I couldn't find enough talking points, to be perfectly honest, but I did still enjoy it. I was reluctant after issue number one. It had a strong ending, but this one... Uh, I, it, it was, it still kind of had the up and down pacing, but it was more in the favor of up, if you will. So, uh, you know, a few loops on the roller coaster to be all metaphorical. So, <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep going with Dr. Doom. I, I believe I'm probably gonna go the distance for 12, all 12. Uh, the only DC book I have in the honorable mentions this week is The Legion of Superheroes. 
from Brian Michael Bendis. I only anticipated to pick up issue number one because this book is exactly what I expected it to be. You know, I don't really follow the, the Superman lore. Uh, I'm happy to have issue number one in my collection, don't get me wrong, and I thought it was a fun read. There was nothing wrong with it, but because it was exactly what I expected, you know, me being overwhelmed by, and I, I don't want to say overwhelmed in a negative way, because maybe it's not as overwhelming to anyone who's read Legion of Superheroes before. This isn't an entirely new concept. This is a, a revitalization that Bendis is really, really campaigning. But, uh, you know, it's just a bunch of characters that I'm not familiar with at all in the 31st century, and it seems like it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, as, I mean, I recommend it for... I mean, I mean, hey, if you're just getting into comics and you've got youngsters or something like that, and yeah, you just want to get into something pretty new that doesn't have a whole lot of popularity at the moment, which it will. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, it's not a whole brand new concept. Legion of Superheroes. Once again, I wouldn't not recommend it. It's just not my flavor is all. Uh, Marvel. I guess I do still have some more Marvel. I got a little skipped up in here. Oh, yeah, no, I was way off. I have, a, yeah, <laughs> this is a deep, I, I feel like I shuffled this up. Oh, well, it's honorable mentions. No rhyme or reason, right? Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 12, Legacy 252. Uh, I'm kind of not reading the story arc anymore, and I have a feeling the only, it's not that I don't enjoy this book. I feel it to be kind of like Amazing Spider-Man, one of the weaker titles, but that's only that's not saying it's bad by any means. The bar's really really high. There's been several several issues and complete story arcs through, you know, Saladino Mohamed's um Miles Morales Spider-Man that I have really enjoyed. But the Ultimatum arc that they're doing right now just kind of lost me a little bit. I like the first issue or kind of uh, I guess really the end of the issue that led into this arc if I remember correctly. I liked how that all went down. But it's just I don't know Miles Morales has never really been my character, but I still kind of feel being a Marvel completionist and really kind of a for the most part an ultimate fanboy. If if you guys are listening to the podcast, I it probably doesn't take many weeks to realize that I favor marvel more than anything just because yeah that's that's what was delivered to me as a kid uh so i pick up i would probably without exaggerating and lowballing 75 percent of marvel titles that come out or at least i give them a try and that's that's probably lowballing but yeah i i've i've been happy with i've been happy with spider-man or miles morales just not this arc necessarily. Unfortunately, it's been coming on heavy weeks is what's been the downfall. If it came on lighter weeks, like next week, for instance, is a lighter week, I'd be talking about the book, I'm sure. But, yeah, what are you going to do? Uh, Green Lantern, Black Star, this is a three-issue miniseries. I'm, I'm going to be grabbing these issues just because I don't know what's going to be coming out of them. I'm sure that there's going to be some new stuff that eventually is going to be potential key, but I wouldn't even... I mean that's that's hyper hyper speculative. <laughs> there's there's no indication of any of that. Uh, I've been collecting Green Lantern because I feel like I should be, and uh, it's Grant Morrison. Unfortunately, a lot of times falls on heavy weeks, and he's 
extremely wordy and my experience of trying to do Green Lantern overviews in the past I just I get lost and I feel stupid so <laughs> it's just because he's Grant Morrison's too smart for my 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 piddly little brain Liam Sharp's art is fucking amazing but yeah uh, let's Black Stars this three issue miniseries comes straight out of the last issue of Green Lantern which the whole point of that whole rant was I haven't read but I'm gonna keep it going and yeah I don't know. We'll see. If if it's something that you guys recommend, and if I get enough chatter, you know, hit me up on Twitter or whatever. You guys know how to get a hold of me. Uh, yeah, I, I will make the effort, but in the meantime, I'm just happy to have it in my collection. Uh, oh, look, back to Marvel. <laughs> Fantastic Four, number 16. This is actually probably... This is the first Fantastic Four book that I did not read. And that's only because it's the whole point of origin thing. And I really dug the the, the first issue. Uh, I, I take that back. I didn't read the second issue of the point of origin story either. So 15 and 16. And that's only because I don't feel like they're completely necessary. I'm a completionist. I'm happy to have them in my collection. And if there's any indication that, you know, it's a story that, hey, no, this this is super fucking cool. Uh, I'm going to go back and check it out for sure. But in the meantime, just happy to have it in the collection. Some indies. No One Left to Fight, number five from Dark Horse. Incredible. Uh, issue four came on the off week, and I didn't feel comfortable talking about issue number five, but I could tell you this. If you are a fan of Dragon Ball at all, then this seriously is the comic you always wanted. This last issue is absolutely incredible. It, it really is. The art somehow uh, takes a turn to next level because it's been so consistently just vibrant and bright this whole time. Uh, there's just... Uh, the, the way Fico. Osio delivers in this issue just I don't know something seemed different to me and better and you know don't get me wrong I, I admire the art style that has been incredibly consistent throughout this entire series but it's just it's so neon it's so neon and in this one they don't dull down the neons but I feel like they're just utilized differently and I I, I, I feel like that is uh purposeful in a brilliantly artistic fashion uh so i don't know more than anything i what it comes down to is it is such an homage to dragon ball in the end that i don't want to go through and talk about it because i, I would probably make it cringeworthy because i have n n no no right to talk about dragon ball at all i'm a, a I'm an admirer, not a fanboy. Uh, <laughs> but you you get like this fusion type of situation to give you any inclination. And, oh man, guys, this this is great. And I do suggest yes, if if you're not picking it up in single issues, just like the final page suggests, I'm not just repeating this. This is not a paid advertisement. Pick it up and trade. It is a beautiful trade. I could, Im I would imagine that the, the the extra artwork and that they're, I would only, yeah, like I would imagine they would have it in the back. 
It's it's worth picking up. It's it's a hell of a fight at the end, and it leaves a lot to be desired. That's for sure. There's there should be more, and they're gonna base it off of the sales of the trades. So bam, uh, Spawn three o two new story arc. I did read Spawn. I just decided, you know what? Fuck it. I'm a little behind. I haven't been reading it, but this is a book that I'm just and needs to be in my collection. If I call myself an indie collector. To me, Spawn is the Spider-Man of indies. You know, you gotta have it in your collection. If, you know, I don't know. Complete opinion of mine. That's just OCD. I dug this book, man. We get two arcs in one. Jason Sean Alexander, he illustrates the first arc, which is demonstrating the horror that this book is. And then Todd McFarlane does the second part of this book, bringing, whew, man. It's good. It's good. I don't need to hype up a Spawn book is the thing. Dead Eyes, number two. I still need to read number one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to collect this book in single issues, but I have a feeling I'm going to be rating it in trade format as well. So this book may be getting double the money out of me. I'm not sure, but I hear great things about it. Of course, at this point, this is still nothing new, but still highly recommended. Uh, uh, not based on uh, just from what I've been told highly recommended to me heist from vault comics heist or how to steal a planet number one vault comics have been uh, just goddamn man goddamn so good the only reason this book didn't make it into the overviews is because essentially I could wrap it all up in just a couple of sentences there's a badass motherfucking thief who's about to steal a motherfucking planet and seemingly rescue it in a good way from some tyrannical bullshit. Inside, er, I mean, the story, the art, all of it, amazing. I'm, I'm fully on board with this book, and I very much look forward to talking about it in future episodes in more depth. But this is one of those, those issues where it's just, yeah, let's wrap it up pretty quickly. It's good stuff, man. Highly recommended. Uh, Space Bandits, number five of five. This miniseries is wrapped up. More Miller-verse, Miller-verse badassness. Mateo Scolara killing it. Uh, I would look forward to this making a trade negotiation segment by the end of the year. I read issue number one, fell in love, knew that it was only going five, and had uh, yeah, I want to just binge it. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Urban Legends, once again. 30-issue series that only went to 24, but in grayscale, so it's continuing on, retelling. This is all stuff that's been told before, but now in color. And then eventually it's going to, once it gets to 24 and beyond, actually finish the last six issues that should have ended properly. And when that happens, I could say that I have a Turtles run. (laughs) That's what's going on here. And that does it for honorable mentions. Uh, it was a heavy stack of honorable mentions, but honorable for sure. Moving on to the wall books. The, <laughs> yes, uh, the, the visual part of the podcast. The stuff that it's just it's too good to put in a box, man. Got to have it up on the wall. I bought it just for the cover. Only one wall book this week, though. And as per usual, when there's a spawn book, there's spawns books. I'm going to have to get a cover, and the McFarlane Virgin Color cover, absolutely incredible. I dig it, I dig it, I dig it. It's going on the wall next to the rest of the Spawn covers. So, 
that, that does it for wall books. <laughs> Great stuff to talk about. At this point in time, I gotta give my talk my top acknowledgments. Ah. <sighs> This is probably the most deliberating I did, I've had to do, uh, in the, the 55 episodes, because, to be perfectly honest, uh, five of these, I mean, I, I could probably do a five-way tie for my most recommended book of the week, uh, the cover of the week, it, w- it was tough, <laughs> it came down to a coin toss, really interiors once again it it could have potentially been a three-way tie so just bangers this week slurds ah if you missed anything and you could still find any of this stuff i really do recommend it i am not a paid spokesman these publishers are not paying me any money they're not even retweeting my shit dog (laughs) i just i recommend that if you enjoy literature and art and a two-in-one medium, and I call that comic books. These these are the ones that, mm, man, good stuff. So let's let's start out with my cover of the week. Most of the time, a cover of the week is a wall book, but that's not necessarily necessarily. Thanks, Beers. Uh, the case this week, Absolute Carnage Weapon Plus Number One caught my eye. The the cover is Skan, S K A N. Sounds like a Star Trek character. He just goes by Skan, like he's a fucking graffiti artist or something. Well, Skan, you have my full attention. I will be looking forward to your work because uh, I have a confession to make. Since Donny Cates has taken on the the Venom universe, uh, I have enjoyed it. To its 99th percentile, the one percentile I do not like is the face that Carnage now possesses. I don't like the spiral on his head, and I don't like the weird, wacky, cartoony jaw. Uh, Other than that, everything else about Carnage's new, Dark Carnage's body is amazing. Uh, That's just kind of the old guy in me, maybe. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I may have a different outlook on this character design now because of this cover and how fucking incredible Scon drew it. It's uh, I get a whole different there's I don't see cartooniness in this at all. Like it it it's tended to be drawn. So like Scon <laughs> you have my attention cover of the week for sure. For sure. I mean it was that and the spawn cover but McFarlane, I mean how many times can I say McFarlane on this podcast without <laughs> Scon? I, I gotta give props to Scon. That's what it came down to. Interiors of the week. Oh man, I, I've got to give it to the Ber- the Ber- Berserker Unbound. Yes, it was my number two single panel of the week, but overall, the the every ugh, it's just Diodoto man. Mike Diodoto Jr. is a badass, and I'm so happy to have him back in the creator on comics and just the way he ended it he felt i felt like he knew that it, he needed to end it with just it's that little extra a little extra and he fucking did man he fucking did it so goddamn good berserker bound berserker unbound number four bam mike diodoto jr interiors 
Now, as far as my number one overall recommended story of the week, the book that just hit on every single level, yes, I gave some 11 out of 10s. And I may have even given this book an 11 out of 10 to begin with, but I didn't want to really... I had a little bit of suspense, huh? Going to the chapel, number three, gets a 12. A 12 out of 10. Because <laughs> fuck rules, right? David Pepos, oh man, he delivered. And I liked... Uh, there's there, Well, there's. I can go on and on about what I liked, but... We got a huge gap, a five to six week gap between one and two. And then we got just a one week gap, you know, one off week between two and three. And two was, uh, okay, we're setting up some shit. Okay, this shit's fun for sure, but tell me more. And then we got more, not long after, and frig did we get more in issue number three. This is an incredible issue. Uh, Action Lab, man. They are just delivering the best shit. And once again, I'm going to mention a book that's not even out this week. But the trade is out next week, so I guess it is relevant. I did mention it on Polis Priorities. Banjack Season 1 from Action Lab. But David Pepos on Going to the Chapel. Oh, man. So fucking good. So cheers to all of y'all. My top acknowledgments of the week so i'm gonna wrap it up from here i know this one did kind of run long but i'm okay with that thank you all slurred so much for tuning in i would like to remind you all and new listeners to support this podcast it really does help this is uh, this is a podcast that i really do plan on going the distance with guys i i want to i want to make this the the, the biggest thing, and I'm, I need your help to do it. And the first way I ask to do so is through Patreon. Become a Patreon. I'm going to shout you out for one, once you join. Two, you're, no matter what tier you get, or what tier you join, starting at just a dollar, you're going to get your money's worth because I'm going to send you a s- stickers, not just a sticker, stickers. And uh, there's even tiers where you're even getting key comics, uh, variants, whatever it be. You're not getting lump. I'm going to be sending you, uh, sending you some stuff. <laughs> Good Lord, does the beer work this week. Uh, so, yes, become a patron. I truly, truly, truly appreciate it. The other way, the other way, I would ask for you to support this podcast. It's not necessarily asking for any of your hard-earned money so much as your very valuable time. And it's not going to take much of it, but I do do appreciate it. Do-do. <laughs> so, here's the deal. Go to Apple Podcasts. Go to Apple Podcasts. Leave me a review. When you leave that review, I'm going to give you a shout-out on the podcast. I know it's kind of cliche, but I'm going to shout you out. Get, acknowledge the time that you put into leaving that review. And it's not just necessarily for you to get the shout-out as much as it is for the algorithms of this podcast to be more involved in lists and math and stuff that's way beyond my realm. But the fact is, is that the, the ratings help tremendously. And there are other places to rate the podcast, too. Um, I'm also going to shout-out your Podchaser reviews. So if you leave me a review on Podchaser, I'll shout that out on the very next weekly rundown episode just podchaser.com and that's really cool it's like the imdb meets social media of facebook without all the uh 
uh, hmm, nauseating social media type of stuff. You just follow your favorite podcasts and creators and you get a little feed and it's, it's really, really cool. And you're able to rate the, the episodes individually and that's the type of stuff that I'm going to shout out. So leave something thoughtful and bam, take your time and I'm going to, I'm going to let others be known or let others know how badass you are. And, uh, yeah, well, you know what, I think that's, that's gonna do it. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you know how to hit, hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or you can email me at cheers to comics podcast at gmail.com. And, yeah, if you got something, you know, just, uh, mark it okay to read, and I'll read that too. You know, I'm, I'm all about used guys, used guys's. So, Slurds, you've been awesome. Thanks for listening all the way up until the end. Make sure you check out the featured promo podcast we had there uh, in the break. And you, Slurds, read responsibly. Cheers, fuckers.